Yo, Chuck, run a power move on him. May I say something to you to give you a true knowledge of yourself and life so that the same glory and success attained by other men who understand themselves may be yours? Man in the full knowledge of himself is a superb and supreme creature of creation. When man becomes possessor of the knowledge of himself, he becomes master of his environment, the captain of his own ship, the director of his own destiny, the accomplisher of his own ends. Yo, peace. We are the Brooklyn Combine. This is the virtual Brooklyn Combine. <laughs> we got a bunch of brothers pond deck. We got we got a full house. So why don't why don't y'all start Definitely introducing yourselves? Make the rounds. Who's up in here? Jay Vivez on the check-in. Peace, peace. Barnaby. Peace. I send. It's Felton. Jazz. Oh man. Bro, it's um Kenneth. Oh, you ain't gonna say nothing for Philip Sean. <laughs> Ken so, Montgomery, uh, president man. accounted for. Oh, oh my oh, god, this is your brother, the Mali man. Let's go. Yo, happy born day, uh, felt. Thank you, man. Thank you. Another uh, my, big, big up, brother felt. Happy born. It's a couple days up in here, ain't it? Yeah, Rebel A. Well, Jazz had a birthday, Mali had a birthday last month. Uh, I think Rebel A got a birthday coming up. Yeah, Kenny, you the seventeenth, right? I'm the twenty third. Yeah, yeah, I'm not celebrating my birthday this year. Nah, we celebrate. Just no. celebrate his birthday every year. Oh, <laughs> yeah, Jazz, you 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 better be on your best behavior on this. Oh, one, we man. definitely celebrate. I'm just celebrate my birthday. First off, y'all been seeing Club COVID. These are the last days. You better celebrate. This might be your last one. Say it again. Hey, Phil, like, Phil, you went to a COVID party yesterday, right, Phil? Yeah, pa I passed one. It was on. It was around the corner St. from the James? crib, St. James. Yo. Yo, we got we got to we got to bring um Marlon on the on the podcast. Marlon, um, you know, big 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 Marlon, uh, Rice. Rice. He he, oh, yeah. he live around the corner. Out there. Yeah, he well he lives around the corner, so he had no choice but to be out there. But he said that he was um he wasn't really happy with the social distancing out there, man. So. Mm -hmm. Oh, you mean no yeah, lack yeah. thereof? Yeah. It don't exist. Yo, Phil recorded a video where he posted it to the daggone thread, and I swear, I, I felt like I saw a plume, a plume, oh. a cloudy, covety plume. Are <laughs> you covering through? Giant plume, kid. Oh, he's you talking about the You talking about the dance party where the white dude had a dog on his back? Oh, yep. wait a minute. And, the, and his wife flipped on his face. Yeah. Oh, oh, man, that's, that's crazy. Funny. I Rudy said, was um, in. I said, he had, oh, he, he had his old right? lady. What'd you say? He has oh, his wife. What? Slip, slip. <laughs> <laughs> Rudy, Rudy was in a after hours uh, party in Prospect Park last night. Oh, he oh. was there. That was his oh, footage. What? <laughs> I think it was his footage. I don't. I don't know. Uh, Rudy, Rudy's a member of very many clandestine <laughs> underground. <laughs> sites and networks, but I know he was throwing a bunch of stuff from Parsley Park last night. So you wasn't out there last night? Nah, I tried to go back to where we was the other night uh, at Fort Greene. It was dead yesterday. It was dead we yesterday? I tried to go back and catch the energy one more time. It was Nobody it? was outside. <laughs> <laughs> what spot was that? Over by uh, um, Dick and James. Dick and it's and like Adelphi. Dick, and yeah, Dick, 
My old stopping grounds. Yeah, it was. Oh yeah. Yeah, I used to live on the Delphine. Oh wow! Way past the nineties. But hold up, when when I saw when I saw that footage, felt of everybody out there at the at the party, the energy was so wild. It brought back this memory from when Phil and Kitty took me to Miami. <laughs> they took oh, me to Miami man. to this basket to watch this basketball game, and the team won. First of all, first of all, let me just make everything clear, everybody, listeners. Mally is a brother from another planet. <laughs> basketball game that he's talking about was an NBA championship. <laughs> <laughs> it was Miami and made it seem like it's high school. Yeah, he made it seem like the Rutgers or something. Well, it was well, that was actually my first, my first time watching a basketball game in its entirety. But anyway, <laughs> watching the game, son, what, let me tell you something. This takes a backseat to the monkey business that went oh, on afterwards. Man. After their team, the local team, won the game, yo, mm -hmm. you talk about energy. These people were so excited. So we went standing outside. People were trying to figure out something to do. So we standing there. We looking. White folks start getting out the vehicle. They start. One guy stood up on top of his van like he's surfing. The next thing I know, somebody opened the door to their minivan and hung their child out of the freaking van by one hand. I'm <laughs> like Michael, like Michael Jackson did his baby, like he did Absolutely. one of his black, his black babies on the balcony. Is there a white <laughs> blanket? Blanket. Blanket. So blanket. So we saw round two, right, at uh, at the event that Phil was at, because some guy took his little dog, his little lap dog, and put the dog on his shoulder. And, and like like I said, his wife's blouse started covering up his face. I guess when people get excited, they start looking for anything to do. So, and so they do anything. <laughs> you know, look, listen, to, I just want to show you how wacky this shit is, guys, the world, right? So y'all, everybody's familiar with the... Um, Q Q A Q A Q not Q A non and or whatever. The Q -anon. Q -anon? Yeah. yeah. So nah, I don't know what that is. Former former Trump aide Flynn appears to make a pledge to Q Anon in the July fourth video. So I wrote, you know, corruption at its highest level in public to see someone someone uh texts me on my on Facebook and says, uh, did you ever read anything about them? I said, yes, they're a bunch of wackadoodles. He then <laughs> says, maybe, but they say some thought-provoking things. The real issue is that they attract wackadoos who attach themselves and impart and bootstrap on. And I said, LOL, thought-provoking for who? Please tell me how you go about distinguishing the wackadoos from those who are not wackadoodles. And that's our society we live in where you got crazy motherfuckers who are corrupt who just attract a, a wild you know it's a lot of wild people in the spaceship guys it's yeah. a lot of wild people i don't know i don't know how you manage all your responses dogs you, I, I, you know, <laughs> like these dudes these people are fucking crazy <laughs> <laughs> and they most of them are lawyers <laughs> a lot of them are lawyers actually you know what i'm saying but i don't know guys I, i'm kind of getting worn out you I mean, facebook uh, facebook is having like some challenges right now with all this political with like some of the uh, people's posting habits like they're like the one 
social media site that's not doing a, a lot of heavy policing. Of, yeah, of, yeah, yeah. They suppose after I guess they helped swung the election for the dumbass, uh, but they still I don't I don't know. It's just you know what it is every every day. There's a new Sean King video or some next viral video, and I'm I almost feel like is there a control room for all the wacky viral shit to come out? I was looking at something Michael Rappaport was doing this today, and it kind of rubbed me the wrong way. But it's like. I don't know how I feel about this constant these viral things. I don't I don't know if they're helping. Like I'm I'm looking at all the Sean King stuff and I, I'm I'm trying to figure out what's the purpose behind all this stuff. Well, it certainly is not helping. You know what I'm saying? And unfortunately, we're in a time similar to previous publish or perish. Excuse me, publish or perish time periods where today, of course you're not going to certainly perish if you don't publish something meaningful, but many people will socially die, which is probably more important to several. So they must publish. They must put any and every thought that they have into the public domain. When you're doing that in a topical manner, it doesn't leave time for thought introspection. It doesn't leave time for any sort of analytical comparative analysis of any sort. It only leaves time to hurry up and put out that thin veneer. That's the top level of, you know, the, the, river or ocean of your mind so when you have all that stuff flying out it's all over the place but you know that's the american as long as way somebody to keep people keep paying attention to it then you know it's gonna keep being on you know gonna keep the cast gonna keep publishing it's almost like it's reinforcing at least to me as to the racial stuff that we're seeing it's almost as though it's reinforcing the the narrative that we are second class citizen as opposed to changing the narrative um it's really, really wild to watch and to, to see how people really indulge in it. It's like uh, black oppression porn um, to some degree. You know? Of course. I mean, Gil Scott hit it on the head, right? He, he, he told cats that the revolution was not going to be televised. He could have added to that or somebody could have added to that. It won't be streamed. It won't be a part of this sort of big public bonanza. So, you know, oh, hold on. Is my joint breaking up? No. Okay. Mm. Yeah. So, you know, regardless of any people feeling as though their time is different somehow from every other historical period, this time it's going to be very different when it's broadcast on all these newspapers. Or this time it's going to be different when it's across these magazines. Or it's across the TV. Or it's across the internet. These are simply tools, and they're only reflecting where the general public is, the average person. And as I like to say, the average person is average. That doesn't speak to people's potential. <laughs> But it does speak to where they are at any common moment in time. And the average person wants to socially get along whatever those social norms dictate. Today, those dictates are to join this giant conversation in this nearly circus-like fashion. Discussions around racism, obviously, it's, it's, it's chatter. You know, it's a great deal of chatter. You know, you're talking about racism. Why are you concerning yourself with what somebody feels like. Now, if you want to, you might want to discuss something more meaningful, perhaps like prejudice, like someone's actual prejudicial acts, as opposed to how they feel in their head. Moreover, if you're black, or if you're somebody who really cares about black people in that sense, what difference does it make to you to try to, what, like, you want to, like, fix America? You want to, like, fix the system so that it can, like, oppress you in a nicer way? Or maybe it'll oppress some other people and you could be a part of the ruling class? 
I'm not really sure what they're going for, but it's best for me anyway to ignore a great deal of it because if I start paying too much attention to it, I'm going to try to make sense of it and I'm going to be confused. So That's how I feel. I have a quick, I have a quick question. I mean, like how, how, I mean, how genuine, I mean, and, and, and I'm, I just want to hear you guys speak to it, to the point, how genuinely do you think these corporations are about a lot of the messaging that they've kind of expressed around all the, these issues? And like, how do you think that messaging that they're um, sharing is impacting, I guess, the, the general public of, you know, black individuals in this country? I think they're very okay. genuine. I think they're genuine to their bottom line, which is what they've always been genuine to. Mm-hmm. I think <laughs> I think it's genuine to continuing to earn. And it's an easy, it's smart business. BLM is smart business. You know, all of these, all of these hashtags and, you know, all of these saturated trending items that should have been, that should be human, right? That should be, as far as you know, people I think like us that should be how you suppose you 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 supposed to feel this way. You supposed to you you supposed to 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 see humans as equal and things like that. All of this stuff that's I guess apparently new in this corporate arena is good business. That's that's how I see it. And I, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I think they're genuinely showing that they don't give a fuck and that they think humans are pretty fucking stupid and that. Um, it's something we talked about on the thread a very long time. I mean, the thread, the Zoom, uh, Zoom, damn, I'm on uh, podcast a year, a year or so ago. And I think we, when we first started, we were talking about the ability of Europeans to control the social interaction right now. And it's kind of unmatched in this day and age with the technology and the propaganda uh, uh, tools that they have at their disposal. And I think it, it's really exposing that the average, like, like Mally just stated, you know, most people are average, but the average human is just is simply looking to be entertained, wash themselves, take a shower, or maybe not get up and seek those same things that they, they would seek from the day before. And they realize how easy it is. Like it's really that easy for them. It's an algorithm. Yes, yeah, algorithm. So Not you, to use it. You know, it is, and and we live in this digital age where it's so much easier. You know, okay, what do I? What do our young people do? They they're gamers. They into videos. They into the pop culture. They want to look fly. They want to do this. Or yo, you know what? I'm different. I'm weird. I'm this. I'm I'm a nerd. Everybody's picking these boxes that have been established for them. What are, what are grown women doing? You know, you, you know, listen, I, I love beautiful uh, women like the next man, but how, how much tits and ass can you possibly look at on social media? Like, it's like, you know, Tony Rico talking about it on the last uh, thread. Like, literally, you have from little girls to teenagers to young adults to adults to your grandmother, um, just showing their 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 goods or whatever at a at a time. You got dudes, you know. It's just wild to me, and I think Only they know I that. Was, mm-hmm. I, I would add one thing to that. Damn, man, my um can't really hear that well, but I, I definitely feel all that is problematic. But I do think 
in order for us to speak to that, we might have to speak to that with women because they're going through their own revolution at the same time in terms of like, you know, breaking the yoke of patriarchy. So how mm-hmm. they express themselves with their bodies, <clears throat> who knows what that conversation is really but them. And, I, and I'm not, listen, like I said, I'm not judging it. I'm just saying it's, yeah. the, it's a very predictable algorithm. Just gotcha, like gotcha. My uh, bad. Uh, uh, or men at this point, you know, how much money we got, whatever, whatever perpetual immaturity. But as far as the Black Lives Matter thing, you know, it's like I kind of agree with what Tony was pointing out is that is that shit is a concept. That shit ain't a movement. That's it's a, it's mm-hmm. a concept and it's a filter to get uh, it's a brand. Um, what what is it actually? How is it resonating in the street? If you're telling me it's resonating in the street well, and the metrics is because now when I drive down Fulton Street, that shit is in Restoration Plaza. You know, I don't really want to talk to that shit because at the end of the day, I'm still going in the court, and I'm seeing the majority of people in court. All the defendants look like me. I'm usually one of few black attorneys. Um, we go in the hood and we do our program and we see other people doing our program. We're seeing how that, how it's resonating on that side. So it's like, you know, it, these corporations realize that it's, it's, it's money and, and, um, they see there is no pushback from it. The moment, you know, if, it bugs me out. You always hear people say, yo, yo, this Tuesday between two fifty nine and four we not going to buy from Joe's pizza. Let's show them where it hurts. Yo, how about just don't buy from... How about just not buy from fucking... Yeah. (laughs) Conversations that, you know, nobody's thinking about that. So, I I don't know. I don't know, guys. I know we got to get ready to go to a quick music break. So, on that note, we'll, we'll grab some quick music and then we'll be right back. There's a, there's a, there's a, there's a fine line There's a fine line between love and hate You see, can't wait too late, but baby, I'm on it
choice to be who you wants to be is left up to me and my mama them told me Cause it's a hard road to hoe If your ass don't move And the rain don't fall And the ground is dry But the roots are strong So some survive To your surprise Now I watch their cries You got more juice than Zeus Slinging lightning trying to frighten The plains dwellers of the Serengeti But get beheaded when you foster the dreaded Melanin, silicone, and collagen injected Dissecting my pride Who the one gonna get it started? We be the lion hearted Without infanticide It's like that red sprite You can't imagine Unless you're looking at the canvas of life, not through the people of mortality. Single-minded mentality, getting no on loopholes, getting paid twofold on technicalities. 
Clicking your heels, scared to voice how you feel. Package steel, picking cotton from the killing fields with no total. I don't think we in Kansas, no moto. Midwest or dirty south, clean dress or dirty mouth. Whether robbing preachers or killing poor righteous teachers, you a scared demon. Shouldn't be allowed to spread semen. And your cowardly lines never define the jackals of Babel. Running with they pack, tail between your legs. Throw the mane on your head, say the story. As you downplay your glory, cackling, helping the shackling of your brethren happen just by rapping. Libertad, libertad, libertad. Oh, okay, we back. I just want to make one point, then, I, then I'm out. I'll leave the floor to somebody else. It's like, my thing is, why aren't we having those conversations to permanently disengage for th- from things that we know are harmful to us? Historically, yeah, I, presently, currently, like, why aren't we engaging in that? You know, well, and I'll that's say, the thing I'll that I don't real, get. I, I'll say this real quick. I think we want to we want to be clear that we never are coming off as judging when we ask when you ask that question. I imagine you're asking why is it not a part of the popular domain? Because it's oh, why is it not available? Right, because there's certainly tons of communities, tons of communities doing tons of work that's very progressive. A lot of cats have their head on straight, but it certainly is not, and it's definitely never in our enemy's objective to make that a part of the public discourse, a part of what's popularized. So perhaps it's about time for individuals to realize as much as they like to think that what's happening in their public space is truly random. It's simply people doing whatever they want. We know the opposite to be the case. If every moment that preceded this one, you had all sorts of, everybody could tell you about COINTELPRO and blackness and all that, but they think it stopped. They think it stopped like a couple of years ago. The fact is all of these practices and tactics are gonna remain in place because they're effective. So today, I am convinced that what is presented in a public domain as fashionable and as current is not a true reflection of what's really going on in our communities. It's not. You know, we talk about it often when you, you know, you look at any of these shows where these women, they're looking outrageous. And, and that's not an attack on their opportunity as individuals for self-expression or anything of that nature. They are truly looking like individuals that are utterly disturbed and do not reflect the women in our communities. We can go in our communities and the average woman is not looking like many of these people. A lot of the behavior that we see from the brothers, a lot of behavior that we see from young people, these these things that are so sensational. When you go into our communities, you see normalcy. You see normal people behaving normally. But when you look at what you might see online, very much like if, you know, we talk about the 80s, what you saw on TV, that did not reflect reality. But as we all understand, if you keep broadcasting it enough, life will imitate art. It's like, like, like you know you're hearing people like you're hearing people describe themselves as yo, I'm Generation Z Absolutely. or I'm a millennial. Absolutely, none of that shit. What are you talking about? Like we, that shit we, is a, a marketing term. That's, that's right. not sure who you fucking are. When we did, but, you know, we you, did Barnes talk. That was that was an exact point that came up. Some young people sought to define themselves. They said, "Well, you know, we hear y'all, but you know." 
for example, you know, we're millennials, and the immediate thing that came to mind was, wait a second, you are defining yourself by some term that some random white ad exec conjured up? How, how can that be? It for purposes be of, of, of commodifying. Certainly. I don't know. Certainly. You know what's... Um, What's interesting, I was uh, I was listening to NPR the other day. Uh, there's a woman, she did a, a residency up at DeShaunberg, um, and she wrote a book. I can't remember the exact title. about Overground. Um, and it was about uh, the Green Book. And, um, you know, you know the, her research on the Green Book, and, you know, for those of you all who don't know what, what the Green Book is, um, even if you if you remember what the yellow pages were, uh, the Green Book was uh, basically like a, a handbook or travel guide for persons of color who wanted to take road trips um, for whatever reason across the United States. And it was a way for black Americans or people of color traveling in the United States to find black businesses, um, places of lodging. Rest, restaurants where they can go to and from safely without having to kind of come in contact with, you know, um, uh, those people who are participating in, in, you know, Jim Crow segregational situations. Um, and one of the things that really struck me, and this was, I think Keith may have raised this point very, very early on in quarantine about boycotting, you know, uh, oftentimes, you know, a lot of people say burn it down you know, F this, F that, fuck this, fuck that, you know, we're not going, we're not going to do this, we're not going to that, but they don't really have an idea for the alternative system that's going to, you know, sure up that need. Um, and so, you know, what I'm finding, you know, some of the connections that I'm making, you know, during this time is that, you know, as, as we have so many people in the street, so many people chanting, you know, so many people about these movements, what, can you know what are the conversations that we need to be having about those though about the replacements of these systems that we're trying to rattle and shake up well i want to add one quick point though and then obviously some you know whoever can speak to that but one quick note about narrative and story and the power of words to be a little more specific for those like barn said who's not familiar with the green book the green book was in particular for black people it, this was before people of color and and more terms that are reflective of perhaps the time, not to say that that's anything negative, but to be very specific, it was for black people, you know what I mean? And, and there is a distinction. It doesn't mean that there's not solidarity or anything like that, but that's who in that time in particular were in need of such a document so as to allow them to navigate safely. But, you know, but again, you know, you, you raised the question about what type of conversations could be being had in my judgment all of the above like their conversations phil and i were on a call last week with a with another community that that we're close to we're invited to sit in as they were you know they were sharing you know they were building it's very similar to the combine and it was a beautiful it was a beautiful thing to witness to simply see another community that we we know a lot of the individuals there, but we didn't know everyone there. So you're seeing a whole community of other individuals, very much like your own. And it's like, you know, if you come from a big old family and then you go to, you know, maybe you maybe you date somebody, you see they got another big family. You see, oh man, that's like cousin so-and-so. This person is like uncle whomever. It's nice to see. So that was nice to see. But to answer that question, that community had their own proposals. 
They had their own ideas and their own understanding and experiments that they were engaged in. The same as the combine, the same as communities all across this country, and for that matter, black communities all across the world. I think there was no one monolithic capitalist model that got us in the circumstances that we are in. There were many experiments that consolidated over time to refine our condition and to get up out of this type of situation there will be no one big grand idea, which is why personally I'm no fan of, hey, we all got to get on the same page. We need more black solidarity. It's like, stop that. It's black. So I've, I've been lucky to travel the freaking world. Everywhere I've went, I see black solidarity. I see more beautiful black people embracing each other many times than other people. All we need to do is to keep fighting, keep experimenting, keep trying a range of things because no one thing will solve it because we don't have one problem. We don't have one problem, despite we might have one enemy, but we don't got one problem. We got a lot of problems with our enemy, but I'd say we don't even got one enemy, you know? So I think you're going to need many solutions, many approaches, and that should be your approach. It should be scientific in that way. Yeah, you're absolutely going to need a bunch of different solutions. I think America and humans in general, I think for us, it, 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 it it's almost like we become and we get into this circular motion. But if you notice in America, they, the solutions aren't really talked about. The problems are usually talked about. The problems are, in fact, even marketed sometimes. But you very rarely have deep problem-solving journeys to figure out problems. You know, like problems, systemic yes. problems. Yes. We're not. This isn't a society that's invested in that. It's a society that's invested in talking about it and then assigning what they think is appropriate leadership, which usually follows some sort of marketing, which then dovetails with some sort of paper that's printed and this problem is still existing. Like <clears throat> today, you know, today's in today's binary world is, oh, look how much violence is still out here. Hey, wait a minute. You see, they wanted to fund the police, but look at all this, this violence is happening. Well, here's one. The police are not defunded. The money is still there and the violence is still occurring, which kind of disproves the point that police prevent violence. So what's happening and why if you study violence and you study where violence is coming from, then you'll know that there are certain risk factors that dovetail historically into violence. But now when you live in a society that is hyper violent and actually uh, markets violence and, and responds through violence, then it shouldn't surprise anyone that we live in this violent society and that we're going to see these up these upsurges. But what was clear is no America and a lot of people invested in America are never about solutions. You know, what, what's the quick solution to violence in America? Yo, get rid of these motherfucking guns. How about that? Oh, you can't get rid of those guns. Why? Oh, because it's all right to have guns and be violent. So it's like there's, it's just a wild train of thought. And for me, what's going on today when I look at everything, Steve just uh, sent um, uh, something on the thread that's pretty funny about what Trump said about two of these teams, um, the Cleveland Indians and the Redskins, attempting to, as Trump says, be politically correct now. And what it shows me is that there's a resistance to change in this society. Um, if you're talking about being fair and equitable, um, then it makes sense that you may take down 
the statutes and the symbolization of people who are not fair or equitable. It makes sense that the things that we see on the day to day that we don't realize subconsciously go towards misogyny and racism and, you know, whatever you want to call it, you know, it, that may be society taking a step in the right direction and say that, yo, we're trying to elevate and evolve in a certain place. And this society is not invested in that. And that's what this resistance is. Uh, and what well, we're not watching. everybody in the side. Not well, not in this society. I shouldn't say, yeah, <laughs> well, not, yeah. not generally speaking. Yeah, true. You know, you know what's pretty funny about that? The people who are the most ahistorical are the ones who want to hold on to historical monuments, <laughs> you know? So, mm -hmm. like, they don't even know the history of this country. Like, when they were speaking to these cats at Mount Rushmore, Half of them didn't even know that the indigenous people own that, like that's their land. They mm -hmm. knew none of the story, but they want to hold on to history and have no understanding yeah. of but it. But they don't, and they don't have to. And that's, yeah. the, that's of course, even part of our problem. Yeah. They don't have to. They will still remain in the highest positions in the land. They will wait, still wait. be your manager. They will still be your CEO mm -hmm. and your boss, and they don't have to know anything. What, what, did, what did Native Americans say? Uh, I think Tony had talked about it. What did, what did they say regarding how white people communicate? He said, I think he said, white men speak with forked tongue. Yeah, and, yeah, yes, that's and what And that's, that's become, you know, that that's become the way of the land, at least in this American experiment. And, you know, at the end of the day, you know, we're in a, we're in a, we're in a place where this place will burn itself to the ground before they are forced to be equitable. And I think that's what we're watching now. You're watching from the highest levels of power and, and leadership in this country, them stoking the fire of misinformation during a historic pandemic, them stoking the fire of a race war during a cultural war. You know, literally you have the leader of the so-called free nation, America, who's every day disseminating messaging for race, a race war. And, and, you know, the media is pumping it out. There's no intelligence coming from the media, no pushback, no one um, really talking about this, but it's just coming out there every day. And um, it, it really shows you that, you know, this place is, is there's really no safety out here. That's, but, that's, but that's to Revelay's point. Like Re Revelay's point about being ahistorical speaks right to that point that you're getting at. Because if you have these individuals who they... One, you got this history that you hobbled together. Somehow you got this thing called whiteness. And it goes all the way back to Greco-Roman society. And everything about what it celebrates is the opposite of civilization. Wild barbarism, all sorts of madness, all sorts of terrible ways of engaging other humans. And you're going to call that civilization? Well, you're not going to be content unless you are in a perpetual state of violence. So you want that. You need that. You define yourself by that. And this is why the brother... Um, Emil Carl Cabral made it clear that, and, and, and Huey P echoed it, the point about white people needing to, they would need to commit, how did he characterize it? They would need to commit some sort of, some sort of suicide, some sort of a cultural suicide, if you will. After the break, I'll grab the term. But the point is, you would have to abandon that idea. Now, as a new generation of, of young people, young white people seek to say, I'm going to get away from that. I don't like this. I don't like that ugly way of being. Two things are happening. They are trying to distinguish themselves, as young people do, from a prior generation. You have that. But you also perhaps have a desire to not be white, like I was saying on the other podcast. 
They want to be a part of what they perceive as this new thing. But in order to do that, they're going to have to give up this white thing. They're going to have to embrace, fine, embrace your ethnic identity. Let, this, let that white American thing go. There's nothing, there is nothing redeeming about whiteness in America. Nothing, nothing. Now, embrace your Welsh history, your, your, your Scottish history. Your, we can go on and on about the, all sorts of histories that preceded this place. But there is nothing redeemable about whiteness in America. So let it go. And you have to let it go. The interesting thing is, is that, you know, for, you know, all of these, uh, you know, ethnic Europeans that fall under this umbrella of whiteness, right? You know, for them to embrace their, you know, their ethnic identities, their, their, their cultures, their language, their foods, you know, would put them in a situation where, you know, like most black people, where they're looked at as some, you know, other thing, you know, like who, you know, who wants to go backwards, you know, like, um, yeah, like who, who wants to go backwards, you know, when they feel like they've, they've gotten so far within this country, they've gotten so far from wherever they came from. And, um, you know, yeah, I, I don't know. But I, mean, I don't, I don't but, but here's why I don't buy that. I don't buy that because when, and, 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 and the term was class suicide because he's con, he's putting in, a, both of them were putting it in a context of socialism versus capitalism and whether that's a false dichotomy or not isn't the point. That's how he characterizes it. I go further and I say they would need to commit cultural suicide and abandon it. But the reason that I, I, don't, I can't accept that argument is because in, most white people in America still have some sort of emotional tie, as most humans do, to an imagined past. That imagined past for many of them goes back to the old country. Of course, it's a fantastic model of what the old country was, but that's all humans. No one gets away from that. And you need your mythological stories. But this version is far too recent. It's far too recent to play that game. And so the, 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 the value in whiteness only has immediate relevance due to a potential economic reality that they're never going to live in. All of their concepts around morality and sort of their greater humanity and all that good, warm feeling stuff always goes back to some old country. America ain't even old enough for that. So, so it's young so, enough to let go in that sense. So, so let's, let's take a quick break and when we come back, we can discuss Americana history.
right, we back. So, 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 go ahead, Maliax. I mean, let's let's talk about Americana. Well, I mean, again, so I, I don't want again, I don't want to take up too much airtime either. But I, you know, to me, I say to to any comrade, all right, that that is out there and you want to support black people, perhaps you specifically want to support black nationalism. I say one of the best things you can do, in my judgment, if you're asking, is to abandon whiteness. Let it all go. Let it all go. And and and, there, and you can read Tim Wise. You can. There's any number of individuals that you can read to help you figure out how do I go about doing this. Yo, Mal. Wait, but wait, but wait, wait. Let, let me make one point on up, that. Why would I give up whiteness? Why would I give up my whiteness? My whiteness <laughs> is, is what made America great. Yo, Keith. My whiteness is, is yeah, yeah. what. See that's see that's. Hold on, but you wouldn't be an ally. If you listen to the Combine podcast, you need to go. Hold on, give it to Rebel A real quick. It's not a thing that people can give up without deep education. Uh, I'll give you an example. So, you know, the peacock chair that Huey P. Newton is sitting at, right? Mm -hmm. I got on this Mm -hmm. little rabbit hole. I was just studying the peacock chair because supposedly in like Asian countries it was a symbol of colonialism so a lot of people during that time used the peacock chair as a um, symbol of um, revolt not revolt but you know of change so I started finding all of these album covers and shit like that with people in this chair then I came across this I think it's a French movie I'm about to mispronounce the name it's like Emmanuel or something like that but it's all about this young white lady who's going through like this uh, sort of sexual revolution. And she's on, they, the movie is sort of famous because the cover is her sitting in the peacock chair with, and, um, with no shirt on. So I go and I check out the movie, you know, cause I'm in this rabbit hole. And in the movie, it's a situation that's supposed to be romantic. It's like an idealized situation. Like, it's her meeting this cat in a far-off country, and everything is romantic. But all around the people are Asian people serving them. So here it is. This is a fantasy that they created where... It's supposed to be perfect for them, but the people in the fantasy are their servants. So we live in a culture where people have eaten this idea over and over and over again. Their whole lives is invisible to them. To the point where if you have like a black Captain Kirk or some shit, people will go crazy. Yo, you know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm sorry, I just a bit distracted looking at <laughs> um, uh, Anyway. I got um, you, but again, but that's like, the power it's, of it's, symbols it's, and all of that. But but so they don't know. It's they they don't know that they racist. They think they're not they, racist. And and here's where you have to be careful because your journey and your existence cannot possibly be to help the racists realize that they're not. That they're nah, it's not that. You know what I'm saying? No, that's I'm not saying, what I'm saying. No, no, no. I don't. I don't I'm not saying. Can, I'm sorry, go ahead, Revelation. I was just saying that they can't just say, hey, I'm going to give up whiteness because they don't even realize that they it, that it's a part of them. No, because you, it's hard so to... If you want to, but that's, my, but that's more my point. One, that's not my primary concern. You know what I mean? That's a fact. Number two, if that is of concern to you as an individual, then like I said, I would recommend those people, and those are some good authors. But, you, got, you got Tim Wise, 
Who you got? You had the sister who we interviewed with with Nadia Lopez, Jane Elliott. You got yeah, Jane Elliott. You got you know, Nell, there's a book by Nell Painter. There's Theodore Allen. Like there's a host of. Host oh of yeah, people. there's tons. But, so if you want to do that work, you can. You got people. But here's the, here's the thing though. Yeah, but you yeah, know what? You though, just, that's just like that's like telling us. I think to a certain degree, that's like telling us to go get all of the bell hooks, all you know, all of mm -hmm. all of the books by bell hooks and black feminists. Yeah. Right. I th I think that the work put it the, the onus of the work you know what let me let me take that back i don't want to make any excuse for people not being at not getting at because i was getting ready to go there i was i was about to dive on in i was about to dive because, on because in. look but because because it, no but the american you know you rebel a you just described what the american uh, experiment is so it's always been intended to be a white utopia it's always been that and indeed and, indeed and 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 you can trace why that is the case back to uh, uh, Greece, Rome, Italy, uh, Anglo-Saxon, uh, Germanic, like every, you know, all these Europeans, the ball went off in their head and all of them started, you know, many of them who weren't even considered white, they started using white, whiteness as a sword as opposed to a shield. And America was that place, that white outpost of this white nationalistic experiment. So you're absolutely right. That's why my point is this shit is gonna burn to the ground before yeah. it's forced to be equitable. It has to. That's just I agree. I'm, not, I'm, not, exactly. I'm not on some uh you know uh black Nostradamus shit, but unfortunately because of the uh, lack of it's a logical there, conclusion. No, nah, it has to it has to go that way. Yeah. The issues that are that I think we're getting is that we're on the fringes of society. Like I don't you know, at least in my opinion, like I never get off or get That's out of a our fact. and feel like, oh yeah, everybody should feel like we should. No, nah, everybody's not going to feel like we feel. And we clearly ain't feeling like everybody else either. But those who are thinking and figured out what was up with this place, they have always been on the fringes of society. And the, the work is, is how do you still be, have a meaningful life while on the fringes of society for the people who you're with in the foxhole and for these young people that's coming behind us. And I think that's what I would want to be um, focused on because it's a very slippery slope in trying, you'll find yourself in deciphering America, almost trying to defend this concept of what it is. And I don't want to be in that place. That place didn't work for Paul Robeson. It didn't work for any of these elders who were much more brilliant than me um and much more courageous than me so it's like you know you 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 have to be this was meant to burn just in its in its inception so now in this digital age where all this money is made like literally they make they print money and they make billions of it through consumerism every day consumerism of ideas thoughts and goods and those ideas thoughts and goods is no matter what the analysis is at the end of the day it is to ultimately not hold america responsible and prop it up as this thing that we are taught taught that it is and it simply isn't and and basically something's missing and well it can't be like no no doctrine as you know as, as we say oftentimes right it, if somebody want to say capitalism fails or socialism it's not any of these systems that fail it's capitalists that fail and it's socialists that fail and I can say the same thing of religion. Whatever the case may be, whatever the doctrine, if everyone held true to the highest ideals of whatever this thing is, all would be perfect. But the reality is it's not. 
So America, like every empire that preceded it, will fall. It'll fall for its own reasons. Even if it were the most moral, just beacon in the sky like you think it, it is, it would die for the same reason that all of our black behinds are going to die. Because time, time is indiscriminate. So America will go away. But whatever will be born will be born through the ashes of whatever dies. So that, if anything, should give us hope. This is what we deal with the young people to help instill in them to know that whatever issues you have with America, America's going to go away. Whatever's going to be born, you need to make sure that you are creating those foundations and you're experimenting so that when your time comes, it might not even be clear to you. When we look at the history of any, any nation for that matter, you, you look at the French, you look at how the Franks would become consolidated. These were very many different people. This is but it, but it, but but I think the thing that that that's troubling or concerning for me mm-hmm. is that, so so yes, I think I agree. I think that that whatever comes out of the ashes of America will come will, will have remnants of America, right? And I think that the, the problem is is that America. The thing that keeps America going for this long is that the next generation of oppressed people are saying, "Wait, I want to get mine." Before this thing burns down. I gotta get mine. Everybody. So, but I don't think guys, that that's American. I don't think that's human. That's human. And the I reason think, I, I think uh, it's unique. I think it's uniquely. Uh, I, think, that look? I think it. I think it's uniquely American in the sense that America prided itself on this pyramid, right? It was created on this pyramid idea, right? And so, if you climb your way up to the top, somebody, somebody, you you got to make sure that somebody's underneath you, feeding you, providing for you. And I think that that's uniquely, that's uniquely American. I um, think if we don't, well, one of the problems I have with that, and then of course, Barn, I definitely want to hear what you have to say about it. One of the problems I have with that is, well, I have a lot, but I'll speak to two. One, mm-hmm. if we accept that, I, I'll go in reverse. The last issue that I have with it is, if we hold that idea too close and we follow it to its logical extent, what happens is, America, and by extension, white people, become the only individuals sufficiently complex to have such desires. Now, that doesn't fit with me because that would mean that when I see the same type of oppression, when I go to other parts of the world and it's not white people there, I will be forced to call it, oh, this is Americanism or this is somehow whiteness. So then you become a perpetual victim. I don't think there's anything special about white people. I don't think there's anything special about America. I think that America is simply the most modern incarnate of a long history of human beings, some complex, some simple, trying to get ahead. And if, we, and if we're not too careful with that, some people will think, if I can either fix America or make America go away, then I can resolve the problem, rather than getting it scientifically as a human problem. But here's why, here's why, here's why, uh, here's my pushback. My pushback is that the American version of whiteness is mm-hmm. unique in that whiteness was crystallized in America. Well, it was made. It was made in America. It wasn't right. crystal- it was it was, made. Absolutely. Right. And yeah. so, and so, when I, when I, so when I say that um, it's, it's, it's uniquely American, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not romanticizing whiteness globally mm-hmm. or, or demonizing blackness globally. I'm mm-hmm. simply saying that there is a unique nature of, and it is, it, is, it is because the roots and culture of this country are to everyone's point here, right? Is is that it was it was born and bred as a 
white nationalist experiment, a white utopian society that was realized for a period of time. There was a period of time where it was actually realized. And so it's like when you, it's like when you get, it's like when it's, uh, it's like with the crackhead, a crackhead is taking his first hit, right? And he's always chasing that. There, the whiteness is chasing that utopia that it created for itself, right? And I think that that's, that's the thing that I'm talking about, that okay. now every other, every other version of oppressed people coming up, fighting to get on top of this food chain, mm-hmm. right, is chasing that same high. And, I don't, and that's the thing that's concerning me. I feel you. I feel you. Well, I'll say this. I'll add this to that point. If, we are, if anybody's serious about that long stretch of human development, they want to be a part of those ideas, the ideas that would build America, when they were looking to all of these other individuals that preceded them and trying to fulfill what they perceived to be the best ideas, I think that black people or any people, now as they say people of color, need to concern themselves with the highest ideals because one day they will not have white people, so to speak, to blame. And if they don't have them, who will they then speak to? We must be prepared to govern a world without white people. That means being able to fully imagine non-white people, even as it relates to the problems that they may have caused in the interim, because they've only been around for about 10 minutes, historically. And, and, that, and Barn, that goes back to your question about, I don't think there's any, I think there's a number of, there's a number, these problems are so complex that they, there isn't one solution. There's millions of them. But honestly, we need to have things that are practical and are working because unfortunately, I think what whiteness has shown is that it will go to war to preserve its 10 minutes of fame. Um, and, and that's the that's, you know, something that we really need to understand. And it's not. You know, I'm not so afraid of the fucking butt shit crazy white guy and his wife who pulls out a gun on me in a, in a parking lot. I'm much more focused on those motherfuckers down in Washington whose name is Jared Kushner or someone pretending to be doing their own version of Jared Kushner who own, owns all the land and the buildings in Flatbush or those people sitting on the board uh, and the school system and our kids are, are, are consistently failing or those people who, who they realize that through city hall and through policy, they can control certain things. We, we seem to think that those things aren't, does, doesn't matter and we just gotta get accustomed to them or have our own version of it. Or let's get Obama in office, or let's get a Kamala Harris in office, or let's get a, a, a Abrams in office. None of that shit matters. Um, or let's, Oprah's a billionaire now, or Jay-Z's a billionaire, or Robert Smith is a billionaire. None of that shit matters. Um, I, I, have a, I have a question because um, Kenny you, you used the word courage um, a, a few points back in, in reference to um, young people um, and so I want to just kind of use that to kind of frame what I'm, my question a little bit wait, like wait I, Barn, Barn mm-hmm. before you ask your question let's take a quick break we're going to okay. come back with your question word word word
And we back. So um, go ahead, Barn. What you saying? Yeah. So you know, um, in the previous section uh, segment, uh, Kenny used the word courage um, in reference to young people. So now you know I've been out doing some protesting, a lot of doing a lot of stuff on my bike. You know, having having a camera in my hand, just trying to you know you know take a record of what's going on. And I've been really really critical about the participants of, you know, the protests, the large, the overwhelming large percentage of Caucasian um, or non-white people in um, that's, that's participating in on the protests. Um, I was, you know, listening to NPR again the other day and the question was posed to an author about his thoughts of it. He says, yo, don't fight the feeling. 
He says, you know, these, you know, white kids want to come out and protest if they, if they feel moved by, you know, the injustices that have been displayed and showcased in the media in the last couple of weeks, you know, let, let, let them, let, you know, let them have they say, let them participate in it. And so, you know, with this whole, with this whole point of courage and young people, and, you know, we talking about change and shit, man, you know, you know, a lot of these non-white or non-black young people, these ethnic, ethnic European, um, uh, kids, you know, they still have their parents and their parents' ideals and their parents' ideas. So, you know, you know, all of us who are parents here, you know, we talk about courage. It's like, you know, what, what what's that conversation like with the kids about courage and pushing this, and nudging this shit forward? Oh, meaning our kids or I in mean, our community? I mean, I, I think it's fair. I mean, it's, I mean, shit, I, I can only speak for my kids, you know, but I just want to know, like, what are some ideas that we're, you know, because like shit, I mean, I think we all face our challenges with going up against this fight. I, 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 I am like the, the protest to me, like everybody, whatever rock your boat. Um, I'm not in, I'm not, and this is not a knock, but uh, there's nothing intriguing to me about white people and white kids going out and protesting, particularly in America when everything is a form of entertainment. It's, it, 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 it doesn't do anything for me. In fact, I, as a child, when I looked at all those 1960, you know, white people been, there's been some white people dying um, for fairness in this country. There's a strong history of that. You just don't learn about it. You know, in Alabama and in, in, in the Carolinas in the 60s, you had some white people who was getting their lives taken. Um, I get that. This is not that. Um, this is not that. This is something else. Um, it, it's, it's people um joining in something for whatever their motivation is. I think because there's so much noise, you, it's really difficult for you to tell what anybody's motivation is concerning why they're uh, playing a part. But to me, the real work that's done is when you're not protesting, when you're not doing that, and when you're taking those experiences and when you're doing something with them. And that just doesn't go for white kids. That goes for black kids. They could, they could be some black. It could be a ton of black kids out there who get out there protesting, marching, leave, go to their boarding school, and their commitment is to get their white counterparts to, to accept them as human. To me, that doesn't do anything for whether my great, great, great grandkids, who I'll never get to meet, ever benefited from this moment. That has nothing to do with that. What the people who benefit from this moment are, are, are hopefully benefiting from a small group of courageous people who they will never know who decided to change the system, who took over a school board, who was a part of facilitating a cultural educational renaissance. Um, we're not going to get out of this, as Tony said, without the use of wisdom. Where's the wisdom coming from from our community? Fuck what everybody else is joining. Where's the wisdom coming from our community? Like, who are those people? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I agree with that totally. So when you look yeah, at but the historically, you know, from, and again, from that perspective of, wisdom of trying to have an analysis of the moment that's rooted in how did we get here and what do we consider and factor into the equation what i'm going to teach my daughter as a black man as a black father and she's a young black woman i don't know that it will be very different from what some white father would teach his white daughter but i to be honest again i can't I'll show you. preoccupy myself can, can i can i share you a story so 
um, a cat that I have not seen since 1997. I have not seen or spoken to him since 1997. Reached out to me on uh, through one of these, through a DM, through I think Facebook. I gotta find this shit. Um, he basically, <clears throat> we went to law school together. He's a white guy. We were very friendly in, in law school. Um, I thought he was a bright dude. Um, uh, we never kept up with each other, but in, our, in, in law school, we, we, um, we kicked it um, and, and it was cool. So this is, this is, he hits me. Hey dude, long, long time, no speak. Hope all is well. Just wanted to tell you, I love the piece you just posted, though I assume by definition, you don't give a fuck what I thought. He knows me a little bit, which I agree with too, which you also don't give a fuck about. Didn't seem like was too appropriate under the circumstances. Maybe love is the wrong word. Like I love Schindler's List, but I've just been thinking about stuff and wondering how things get better. And what you wrote seemed the next logical step to some stuff I read about that folks were discussing in the 60s that I wish took hold more than really communism within the black community. But seems the seat at the table thing had a stronger pull. I know it's not for me to weigh in, just trying to figure out what I'm rooting for. What has the best chance of working, whatever that means. Also, although I also wonder how to set an example for my kid. What's a well-meaning white guy to do? I avoid being a liberal who yells and cries at the TV every evening and then goes to work the next day. Marching in a Black Lives Matter rally seems like serving turkey at a homeless shelter on Thanksgiving and only Thanksgiving. Self-emulation is out of the question. Need to stick around for the two-year-old. I actually considered a hunger strike, but not quite clear enough on exactly what I'd be striking for but also kind of afraid I've started starved to death because before anyone even noticed I'd lost weight or missed some work. Again, not asking you to give a fuck or spend three seconds trying to come up with an answer, just saying where my head is when I read what you wrote. Anyway, I'm up in Westchester these days, semi-lockdown, semi but I'd love to come down to Brooklyn one of these weekends and uh, catch up. What do you think? Huh. Like, no, I can, again, thank you for so, reading so, again. I can't so for, be a part of that. Like, I can't be a part of helping somebody absolve themselves of their personal guilt. The very no. thing that denied our people since we got here was the ability to be amongst ourselves <laughs> white people comfortable. So I for me, that's what this whole moment is about, though. That's huh? what this whole moment, that's to me. We're not talking about solutions. No. You're not hearing the solutions by these talking heads on TV. You're not hearing, there's, there's not a, a, a litany of books coming out. None of that. Everything well, is going towards that. It reminds, it reminds me of, of like right after Bush when things was, you know, stressful. Maybe and, Bush? Uh, yeah, you know, and, and uh, Obama was getting ready to come in. And it was a moment of absolution for a lot of people. So hopefully Trump is supposedly getting ready to get out of here. And this is another moment of absolution. So... Again, you know, that, that, whatever that person does or doesn't do, the, we, we don't have enough time. Like as black people, so much time has been taken. We don't have the time to even concern ourselves with that. Every ounce of energy that I have, I'm, I, must, I must pour it into my people. That's what I must do. That's my obligation. As it relates to 
to Barnes' inquiry, though, about the children, I think at best, at best, it's dangerous. I think at worst, it's lazy when you start looking to future generation to solve your problems. You may as well be looking to some big old boogeyman in the sky as opposed to focusing on something sound on the ground while you're still around. That mess goes, I can think of the Christian Crusades. The children, they had the children's version all the way back in the freaking 1200s. I can think of almost any time period where people sitting around, the kids going to save us. The kids, the kids, they're going to figure it out because they're the next generation. That mess is silly. You're lazy behind you on this planet right now. Do some work. Figure it out. F especially figure it out since we don't have to figure the fact that we are on this Zoom call and not utterly insane and out of our minds is proof positive that you can figure some mess out if you simply don't die. So right I might be, I might be, I might be out of my mind. <laughs> and on the Zoom call. And on the Zoom call. But just so if you white and you got some questions about how do I what stop right there, put an ellipse, whatever is gonna follow that and be in between that last letter and that question mark, you can figure it out. I got a lot of other stuff to do. No matter how much work I do, I can never undo what was done by America. So the best thing that you could do, in my judgment, is mind your business, at least as it relates to us, mind your business, stop concerning yourself with everything that's going on for black people, stop, definitely stop trying to help every daggone place, and don't be a devil. Like, for real, actually go out and try to produce a world that's equitable and humane. But even if you don't, I'm going to keep doing the work that I'm doing for my baby. He said, for my he said don't be a devil. Oh, don't be don't a be devil. A don't be devilish. You know? Yo, 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 what's crazy is, I, I think I said this too, um, like, so I've been getting these, these, these calls to, like, speak to, like, to speak to these committees, these corporate committees. I think I said this last time we was together. They keep asking about, like, these conversations about diversity and blackness and the workplace and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, let's, we got to stop talking about blackness, diversity. We got to talk about the problem. The problem is whiteness. Let's talk about <laughs> whiteness, whiteness in the workplace, whiteness as a global pandemic that's yes. causing all of our problems, right? If we start having conversations about how whiteness shows up in the world, Right then, we start fixing our problems, and then yeah. I don't get invited. I don't get invited back to the. I don't get invited back to the conversation because I'm yeah. I'm out of my mind. Son, for real, think about it. I'm not. Look, my heart goes out to to those struggling in Yemen. My heart goes out mm -hmm. to anybody. Palestine, all across the continent. Palestine. There's any number of issues going on, but from a distance, I do what I can, and when I have allies and it's appropriate, I support through them. Listen, let black people worry about blackness. Don't don't put no freaking RBG up on your daggone uh, Empire State Building or in your logo, IBM. <laughs> Wherever you are, stop all that. Stop all that. Just don't do it. Be human. Don't be devilish. Be human. Start focusing <laughs> Here's the problem. But here's the here's problem. Here's like a problem. Campaign. But here's this is why for me, I not to be a, a groom and doom, that's why it has to end in conflict it has to the problem has to come out of extreme conflict because for whiteness to take care of itself it has to continue to disenfranchise us well yeah Liberal, I, I, I a, a conservative a moderate 
whoever, it has to partake in our disenfranchisement. For it not to take a part in our disenfranchisement, that means uh, systemic change at its core. And from a political standpoint, we have not seen that. Listen, we, we watch America do the most diverse thing that it's ever done, which is put a black man as the president of the United States. That did not transcend into any systemic change. Why? Because you can't, you, you can't, the only thing that you can do to fix this is to uproot. And you can't uproot something without violence. And the reason why it needs to be uprooted is because it's so ingrained in all of our thinking. Think about this, right? If like now, now a couple like Universal and Sony had it had asked me to speak, um, right to to some executives about um, the workplace and bringing fit not not Universal Warner Brothers Warner Music Group and Sony, right? And I said, well, the first thing you need to do is you need to start thinking about your business model. Your business model is designed around owning the labor of other people, right? Which is exploitive. So if you own the labor of your artists right you own their masters you own their publishing and perpetuity then that's tantamount to slavery even if you give them pennies on the dollar right so if you want to start talking about equity you want to start talking about fairness and social justice start with your own business practices and they will and then again i you know i'm not invited to the next conversation because that conversation right about not owning someone else's labor owning someone else's labor is central to whiteness it's central to capitalism, it's central to the very thing that this country is built on. And so it has to be violently uprooted. These, com these companies have to fail. Black people and artists have to get together and say, yo, we're not signing there, that, that shit's not cool. Burn down the record companies in order for them to do business differently. And so- Or at least try, at least try and be willing for it to fail. Turn, turn Warner, the, the, the music division, into a into a worker-owned cooperative. Do it. Try it. See if it works. See if it works. Because if you're serious, again, that would be something human to do. Again, you ain't gotta try to solve the black problem. Let black people figure out how to be black. But you can go ahead and say, you know what? You're right, Big Keith. This is exploitative. And you know what? I knew it before you said it. Because I know <laughs> it's wrong. So we're gonna we're gonna try to switch this up. But they're not gonna do that. But it brings to mind another point. Barring when you asked the question earlier. An example didn't immediately come to mind, but now Keith mentioning this brings it to mind. We can look at Coca-Cola in terms of companies' commitments. If you look at it, as Tony Rico talks about, from a, from a wise eye, we, we went through a discussion around data, information, knowledge, and wisdom. And you look at it historically, so you're going to employ some wisdom. You want to see a pattern, and you want to try to avoid something. You don't need for it to hit you in the face. You can look, a, a Coca-Cola is a very freaking old company. And look at their history. All throughout their history, you've seen them go through all of whatever society was doing, and that's what they was doing. These cats, they, Weimar Republic raise up, they create Fanta. You know what I'm saying? They send that over there. Before that, they, they want a nice, peaceful world. Right now, BLM, whatever is fashionable, if hanging, if hanging black people became fashionable next week, they better believe it. You can go to the Gap, and you can get some T-shirts with a, a, a little noose around it saying, I support it. So all, a, a company doesn't have a soul. A company, in, at least in the way it is structured here, so now we're getting into a discussion around what type of economic model you have. 
a company could get close to having a soul if it was actually owned by the laborers. Now, and it wouldn't be perfect, but you at least start to get closer. But, but that's socialism. That's socialism, by the way. Oh, I know, I know. So, you know. But, but and, and listen, as, as, as parents, which many of us are here, and something you back to what you asked Barn about courage, one of the most revolutionary things that we could do as parents is not to partake in a lot of these systems and pass on to our children to be comfortable black people. Yep. Unwilling to speak, unwilling to make uncomfortable decisions, unwilling to walk a line by themselves, unwilling to invest in equity and fairness. Yep. That's one of the, that's because partly of why what's happened to us have existed while we've been here is that black, you know, people who were enslaved taught their children how to be good slaves, how not to lose their lives. Um, and, and we have to get out of that habit. Like there's nothing to fear out here at the end of the day, everything that's been everything that we were going through has already been in our DNA has already happened. Everyone on this thread has had, uh, some oppression, some violence in their DNA where someone was killed, hung on a tree, someone didn't make it across the, across the Atlantic in that ship, uh, something of that nature. And it's happened in our DNA. So uh, part of being parents and revolutionary parents is teaching our children, it's okay to be afraid, but have the courage because whatever they've done to us, it's happened already. Right, and you, exactly. Because so, you want them to understand what courage is. Courage isn't poking your chest out real big and, and running out and going wild. And, and stepping forward even when you're not certain. Even when you're scared. Yeah, even when you're scared, of course. And, and, and uh, you know, before we go on a break, and particularly in this day and age where the ability to distract is at a premium, teaching yourself, teaching who you're rolling with, your partner, your children, your mama, everybody, that if you play stupid games, you're going to get stupid prizes, as fucking Keith, um, uh, Steve says all the time. And there's a lot of fucking stupid prizes to be, to be gained in our society. You know, I'm personally, look, personally, I'm voting for Kanye. For president, said, yo, I, yo, I said, I, I put this shit on Instagram. I was like, yo, Harriet, Harriet would have left his ass. Uh, Nat, Nat Turner would have shot, shot his ass, <laughs> and, and and John Brown would have shot his ass. Like, 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 fuck Kanye. Like, fuck him. You know, he got two million dollars. This company, right? And you know, all those companies. This is what the Trump administration has done, which is very, and this is why I gotta be careful with the black people I surround myself, particularly some of these Negroes with law degrees. They have mastered corruption and making it normalized in the public space. You look at the amount of people surrounding him who've been indicted and who went to jail, who've then been let out of jail through compassionate release or clemency, or when the last time you heard Uncle Keith, a motherfucking dude, pled guilty on a federal indictment and about to be sentenced, and the Department of Justice says, you know what, we got it wrong, never mind, and then the appellate court says, you know what, forget you, judge, trying to get to the bottom of this. Leave him alone, he's out. What they've done is they normalize um, crime and corruption. So now you have a, a shitload of people who saying, oh, that's the way, that's what we gotta do. Yo, we gotta do, nah, we don't have to do that. Some people may invest in that, but that's not something I'm invested in. Um, and, and uh, you know, just don't play those stupid games and don't, don't you know, be prepared for those stupid prizes. You want to break?
Panic, 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 panic. International panic. Panic American government Panic Italian government Panic, panic Cuban government International panic Universal panic Babylon panic And Babylon panic If I get away from I Never get away from me Never get away from I Never get away from my eye No one ever get away from I No one ever get away from I No one ever get away from me I No one ever get away from I I am the upsetter government I am the upsetter police I am the upsetter thieves I am the upsetter, soldiers I am the upsetter, government I am the upsetter, police I am the upsetter, thieves I am the upsetter, soldiers International panic Universal panic Babylon panic And Grabylon panic Satan panic And the Typhel panic And Jezebel panic The devil in hell panic Panic, panic I am the upsetter.
And I, I just got to say this, though. It's good to see you, Rebele. Word up. Oh, yeah, yeah. Farmer. Rebele on deck. <laughs> good to see y'all, too, brothers. Rebele is my green thumb mentor. So I'm so used to Farmer <laughs> James. So used to, so, so used to Rebele. Rebele sent me something that had his government name on it. I was like, yo, who the fuck is this? Farmer James. Farmer James. Rudy, did you carry yo, tell, yo, somebody tell Rudy, tell Rudy to keep his shirt on during our business Zoom. So, uh, yeah. Oh, man. The wild distraction. <laughs> I, I can't understand that, Rudy. Yeah. That's a bit concerning, Rudy. You know, definitely I mean, we just going to happen when we get land. Oh, man. I'm no, staying in my house. Oh, get some shades, curtains, black As curtains. we till the land, I will never put a shirt on. As we till land, oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> we better get to work. It's not like Saint Rude. Keep the ladies in the, in the city, man. Rude gonna be dolo a lot. <laughs> he said dolo a lot. Yo, you know what? A, a point came to mind. Of, like we talk about farming, right? And and growing up, you know, my, my both my grandparents they farmed. Y'all know, so we was out there. And I used to love pumpkins. So I like pumpkins, whatever. I used to love carrots, too, when I'm blind as a bat before I had the surgery. So anybody listening, don't tell your kids that a lot of eating carrots don't fix their vision. But anyway, I, I, you know, growing up, I called Jasmine pumpkin. I still do, right? That's my pumpkin. So one day, she was little. She came home. She's like, Daddy, you call me pumpkin, but all of the fathers at the school, they call their daughters princess. Why don't you call me princess? And to Kenny's point about courage, you know, in that moment, that was a pivotal moment to reinforce in Jasmine's mind the ideas that we hold ourselves accountable to, to be courageous even with our speak, to not have throwaway speak, to not speak in cliches. And I explained to her that I don't call you princess, and this is no disrespect to anybody else who might call their daughter princess. This, I'm, I'm simply sharing my perspective and what I told her. Mm. I said, I do not call you princess because I am not a king. Your mother is not a queen. We do not have a a, a, a lordship, a fiefdom, or <laughs> any other such European dynamic. We have, we are, we are human beings. We are family. I'm a, and I call it pumpkin because I love pumpkins. My grandmother fed me with that beautiful Mexican squash, and I ate it. And it was, you know what I'm saying? Like I got a real reason for this. Not a, not something that you know. Again, for me, is would be dishonest. Now, if you're not, if that doesn't create that feeling in you then that's a different thing. You can be sincere, but if you're saying it and you're not sincere, which I wouldn't be, then it's not genuine. So a big part of that courage piece is also as adults, being courageous enough to be honest with your assessments, be honest with your language, and you know, to be frank, I guess, speak to your kids in a very genuine manner. You know, let them see you grow. Let, I used to have a bad habit when Jasmine was little. I used to be, you know, I used to have a bad habit of, of calling white people, I'd be calling them devils, I'd be saying all these wild things. And, you know, one day I looked at her and I thought, I don't know, I'm thinking like, dang, I don't really, I wouldn't like if she was speaking this way. These are human beings. So I began to, it took time, but I began to explain to her what I meant when I said that. And then of course I still say it and I mean it in context, but I don't, I didn't want it to come off as general as being for everybody. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's, it's about letting them see you grow as well, because there's even courage in that. Yeah, I, I, 
I agree. You know, your your children have to see you as a human. I think to really get uh, appreciation of, of of parenthood. Um, one thing I want to say, last parting words I want to talk about is I already see. You know, it's the, it's the typical arguments, you know, with the violence that's occurring. America has never dedicated itself. Its political leadership, its local leadership has never dedicated itself to uprooting the, the, the catalyst to violence. Um, the catalyst to violence is just not some, some, somebody shooting somebody or some viral email or, or something we all going to get in the next 24 hours showing some shootout where some beautiful young life is lost or some older life is lost or some life that was complicated is, law, is lost. We know what the, the root of it is. And until this place, until, until communities culturally tackle that, then it will continue to happen. And your oppressor and the person who's ultimately the architecture of that violence is always going to usurp the narrative and say, look, see, look at them dirty niggas. Look at them violent niggas. And Black people being violent is not the problem of America or the world. That's a myth. Um, and you know, until we get serious about that and having that conversation, you're going to get a lot of the dog whistling nonsense that you're going to hear. You're going to hear black people even repeat narratives. But the people who are going to change that are the people who are living it and, and doing it every day and dealing with it. And I hope, you know, that never is forgotten in this. But what's being promoted and how to talk about it and what to talk about is a false narrative. Absolutely. Yo, I want to, can I give two shout outs real quick? Phil's been mad quiet as usual on this thread, but I don't know if you saw Funk, your, your man Charlie Palmer, he, his artwork is on the cover of Time Magazine right now. So oh, wow, that wow, up. that's dope. Yeah, that's yeah, big up to Charlie, man. The good dude right there. Yeah, like really dope artist. Yeah. Like black out in Atlanta. Or black designers, he's out. Mm -hmm. He's in Chicago? Atlanta. Oh, I picked that up because you said it, Mally. I don't really trust nothing Phil says. <laughs> I, I hear what nah, y'all should y'all should look him up, Charlie Palmer. Y'all, anybody listening, you don't know he's a great, very, I mean, wildly talented black artist. And for young E Jazz and any other shoot, felt myself. Know, obviously, we stand on that cat. Felt ain't young no more. Felt ain't young. That's no right. More. Felt transition. So felt you officially you know old on my side. <laughs> <laughs> wait, 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 wait! But but uh, I want to say something. Hold on, what is big that? What yeah, got? yeah. What? Is, that's a trophy, big fella. Wine. This wine with my last name initial is the the uh, cork right here. You know. Real classy, my boy. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait! Before before, 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 we, before we before we jump into the joke, real quick, I do want to just follow up Kenny's point with maybe we should have a conversation then about. So we're, we're following in the line of like making sure that we don't buy into these dog whistling and all of these tropes that are, that are going to start coming out through the media. We should have a conversation about this, this, this quote, this quote that a sister posted last week that said, um, I love my black men, but I'm also afraid when I'm with my black men. And basically she was, bas she was saying that she's a, Black men, she's afraid of black men because she doesn't feel safe for several reasons. And obviously there's propaganda behind that. But then also, we, I think we have to acknowledge that there's truth to that in, that, in the sense that, right? And so, 
So, so maybe we should have a conversation about that and, 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 and really kind of dive in to that hard conversation amongst ourselves. Can we, can we get, can we get her or is it someone in our community, uh, female persuasion who, who really appreciates that point and, and invite them on to kind of elaborate you know what? a bit? The tough part about that though, is like when white people are having a conversation and they like, yo, we need to get a black person in here to come. Oh, I educate. got you. I got you. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It's going to be within arm's reach. So it ain't going exactly. <laughs> no, I just no, would be interested in Yeah, I had a conversation with, with, with my lady about that thing, you know, and I think, you know, maybe we could table this for the next, for the next episode, but it's the idea um, conversation she was having with her lady friend, with her women friends about black men not enough showing up for black women and we had it we had it out you know yeah because I, th- I, I think that's sort of that's sort of cliche to me too yeah to we, had it, out. we yeah. had it out but it's but related I, I could, you know it's related to, it is related. to big keeps point but it's also but, real i do i do believe it's, it's real because that's how people that's how people feel right you know regardless of whether we agree you know if 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 that's if that's something that she feels then i have to respect it and go through it with her, even if I disagree. I, th- I think that, but and I also think that, and that maybe this is a discussion from uh, for another podcast. Definitely, we should we should table this and talk about it next time because to really appreciate that, you have to understand the history between black men and women in the American experience. Um, yeah, it, it, like, unless you really get into that. Um, you know, and I, and I don't think, I think there's some uncomfortable moments for black men and there's certainly uncomfortable moments for black women in that experience because they, they've sacrificed and they've had to sacrifice some things that have, that no woman has had to sacrifice in this country, particularly white women and Mm -hmm. black men have had to endure some things that no man has had to endure in American society. And as a result, um, we, we've been, we've been on polar opposites and a lot of things that we shouldn't be. Um, and, and, you know, I think ultimately we're paying for it culturally, actually. That's a fact. That's a fact. All right. So bet. So next time, um, next time we'll, we'll, you know, we'll have that. We'll discuss the nigga marriage and I'm sure anybody, <laughs> some of us have heard that concept before the nigga marriage. What? That's the first it's, time. That's 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 a new one for me. But I it's a concept I, called I the nigger marriage. Yeah, I, I, that talked about you know. enslaved time, enslavement, and how they wait, were. Wait, 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 wait. Save it for the podcast. All right, all right. <laughs> save it for the next time. Look that right. shit up. Okay. Oh, hey, DJ Dogs. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. What's Thank you. Spend, son. What you Thank spending you. to get us out of here? Yo, I, I've been, I've been, uh, you know, my mentor Revelé taught me some new things, and um, <laughs> Philip. Philip, my my audio guy intern. Um, Phil, we got it's a couple of things I sent you uh, yesterday that you didn't listen to my advice, but you you did put some good music on. I'd like you to revisit those things that I, I sent you because listening and following instructions is a very important part of being an intern, Philip. And, and, uh, <laughs> Yo, oh wait, wait, before we jump into it though, I do gotta shout out uh Barn. So Barn obviously as a as a as a documentary photo photographer has been doing some ill shit. But that photo that Barn took of, of Felton and Phil uh, with the colors, that joint was 
Fire. Yeah, yeah. So, I take that. Yeah, that was dope. Classic. Tango and Cash, you heard? That was time. Uh, happy, happy, happy birthday, birthday brothers. Happy birthday. Feeling felt. Yeah. Happy birthday, Big Felt. Big Felt. Yes, happy birthday, man. Big Felt. Love you, Phil. Happy birthday. This guy's still, guy still drinking, man. Phil Damn. turning up still, my boy. <laughs> 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 this is the last dance of the 30s right now. Sure did. Whoa, whoa. You're about to be I, 40, Phil? I mean, you 40 I, now? Yes. <laughs> no. I thought, uh, I thought you were to your 30s. Welcome home. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah. Welcome home, brother. This is it. Right, folks, is... And we out. Peace. Peace. Right, peace. My love. Yeah. 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 Hey, man. Listen. Solo hold a prophecy. I got a premonition. I'ma let the beat build and do some demolition. Interrupt your whole style. This an inhibition. Kamikaze everybody. Eminem edition. Surfing turf, you enjoy. Raw back was on all of you rappers. You heard it before. The rawest rapper on the planet's name is Herbert the Fourth. 
sex, drugs, money, and mayhem. The workers are Satan. Still take them to church and say amen. My words in the playpen. Ridiculous. The sickest with it. You just a common cold. So novice. I'm the post office pushing the envelope. Musa had to remind me who the God was. I ain't on my knees, but I'm praying on him regardless. Matt need a new crib for his baby. So big, he be forgetting where the crib for his baby. Dot told me this time, we demand the respect. Milk the game for all it's worth like a memory gland. Ayy.